1: Girls, Welcome to another great day. It is tough people's day here at Don't At Me. We've got Riley Gaines who was kidnapped. It's so amazing to say. Just going to give a speech at San Francisco State University at 920 today. Riley Gaines is going to join us. She got punched by a dude in a dress and then held hostage and I haven't seen one thing other than from Sage Steele. In our national media, particularly our women. Christine Brennan's worried about the live tour and the greed. Oh my God. Uh, Ennis Cantor is going to join us. He's getting a day, actually. He's getting a day today in Utah. Looking forward to talking to him because, well, frankly, Ennis Cantor is awesome. And I love talking to people that stand up. Speaking of standing up, now you're not going to like this, but last night LeBron James stood up. All right, I know it's a play in game. I know it's beneath LeBron James, at least what we think LeBron James should be. But LeBron James, you got to give him credit because let's be honest. When you're looking at the NBA, who do you want to watch play? Like if you live in uh, let's say Milwaukee, you want to watch the Bucs, right? If you live in Chicago, you might want to watch the Bulls, Memphis, you want to watch the Grizzlies, that kind of thing. But nationally, Does anybody else in the NBA move the needle? Do the Miami Heat, which has apparently the greatest coach in the history of the world, Spolstra, do they move the needle at all for you other than inside Miami? Of course not. Golden State, I would say. I want to watch Golden State. I like watching Golden State. But LeBron James, whether you like him or whether you dislike him, moves the needle and becomes must-see TV. Hoping he wins if you're a LeBron James guy. Hoping he loses and you don't have to hear any more about him. Well, last night they're down 11 at half, down 14 in the third quarter. They come storming back, try to screw it up, by fouling Mike Conley Jr., the wrong guy to foul. Mike Conley Jr. is from right over here. Mike Conley Jr. has been a stud his entire basketball life, probably his his entire life. I mean, take basketball out of it and he's a freaking stud. He knocks in three free throws. They go to overtime, and then LeBron, Anthony Davis, et al, decide we're going to guard like crazy, and we're going to win. All right, the game itself, great. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. Now LeBron goes and plays against a Memphis team that's missing some pieces. All right, having said that, you know you like watching LeBron James if you like anything about the NBA. I know you don't like his politics. I know you don't like his race baiting. I know you don't like the fact that he tried that old John Thompson at Georgetown thing where he allegedly got uh, racial epitaph sprayed all over his house. A lot of people think it was him. There was no video. Probably was him. Probably trying to garner a little bit of sympathy, maybe take a swing at becoming a more powerful social justice warrior. We all don't like all that. But as a basketball player on the court playing basketball, you kind of got to watch. You just kind of got to watch. Good, bad, angry, or sad. You just sit there and you go, all right, I want to see this guy lose. I want to be done with LeBron James. Or I want to see him win. I want to see if he can take at his age, 36 years old, make a run to the finals. I want to see what he can do. I want to see if he can get to the point where he plays with his son. I want to see some of this because, let's be honest, there's really nothing else. There was a day when you had to run home and you had to watch Reggie Miller game seven against the Chicago Bulls. There was a day when you had to watch some of this. Now is not the day. Trey Young, he beats the uh, the Heat. He throws in 25, eight assists, seven rebounds, all that kind of stuff. And you really don't care. You really don't. But LeBron James, you care about. Don't at me about that either, people. You know you do. You know you do. And at headline that we put out there, right there, is absolutely right. Whether you like them, whether you hate them, the playoffs are far more interesting with LeBron James and him. I mean, seriously, think about it. Uh, unless you're a start, let's go through it. The Bucks uninteresting. Cavaliers, uninteresting. Knicks, uninteresting. 76ers, Nets, no. Celtics, no. Hawks, no. There's nothing on those teams that grabs you and says, oh, man, I got to watch. You know, Joel Embiid's a nice player, but he's not the kind of guy that grabs your attention. Trey Young is, uh, I said this when he was in college and I was doing a couple of his games I said he's the next Steph Curry, and he is. He's kind of Steph Curry-ish, but he doesn't grab you. It's not like, man, I got to go watch this. You know, there's a feel in the NBA that everything is too friendly. There's a feel that everything is, I don't know, too AAU-ish. Not really out there cutting each other up. Not really out there getting ready to fight. Reggie Miller gouging the eyes, or Michael Jordan gouging the eyes of Reggie Miller. We don't see that anymore. All right, it's acceptable. We got to move along. So we move along, and we do our thing, and that's just the way it is, whether you like it, whether you don't like it. I don't know what to tell you, but it's simply the way it is. So I'm glad LeBron James won. I'm glad Trey Young won, because I'm not happy with the Heat, because they're not playing Duncan Robinson, and I like Duncan Robinson, period. Duncan Robinson was my son's college roommate. I like Duncan Robinson. All right, today in about uh, about 15 minutes, we're going to have Riley Gaines on the show, and this never ceases to amaze me. This headline, Riley Gaines going to give a speech on women competing against men and why transgender men should not be allowed to compete against women, got attacked by a guy in a dress. That will never cease to be ridiculous to me. That will never cease to, what's the right word? Oh, I know the right word. Represent exactly where we are in this country. Hey, who hit you? Dude in a dress. Oh what? Yeah, some dude in a dress came up and cold cocked me. And then, ladies and gentlemen, it got even weirder. And then they decided, they being the student's of San Francisco State University. I'm sure it's a bastion of higher education. Here, breathe into this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's actual breath you're in. What degree do you want? San Francisco State. Can you imagine how that joint is run? Well, anyway, the students there decide, hey, we're going to kidnap her. Now think about this. I just want you to think just for a second about what I'm saying to you. We are going to kidnap you and demand a ransom. Why are we going to kidnap you? Well, because you're giving a speech saying that only girls should participate against girls in intercollegiate athletics. And one of the things involved in this is that females, like Riley Gaines, deserve their own space, i.e. their own locker room, where a male masquerading as a female, Leah Thomas, can't sit there with his crank out, swinging it around in front of all the ladies. Now, just think about that, that that is an actual issue in our country right now. That's important in our nation, and it is. It's very important. Why is Sage Steele... The only woman that has spoken out on this, don't tell me Sam Ponder did. Sam Ponder, if you go to Sam Ponder's Twitter account, Sam Ponder's response and support is hidden in replies to Sage Steele. There's a big difference between replying and actual tweeting in front or quote tweeting where it is on your list of tweets. So Sam Ponder did Sam Ponder thing. She figured out a way around. It. That's Sam Ponder. But the fact of the matter is only Sage Steele only came out in the fence of a woman who was kidnapped, hit by a dude in a dress, attacked, and barricaded. Where are the feminists? Where are the female social justice warriors? Where's Christine Brennan? You know where Christine Brennan is? Christine Brennan's a writer for the USA Today. Christine Brenner is writing about, well, this is my 18th Masters. Yes, it is. And I think the live Tour is full of greed. Great. And then she sat on a panel or had a nice chat on Title IX a day or two after. Oh, Christine, you're gutsy. You're out in front of it, Christine Brennan. Where are the social justice warriors? Sage Steele says this, Are there any women with public platforms willing to stand up for Riley Gaines and millions of female athletes, or do we only stand up for those who fit certain narratives? Ladies, where are you? Media? Hollywood? Hello? We must come together on this. That's Sage Steele quote-tweeting over the video of Riley Gaines being Accosted, ambushed, and physically assaulted during a speech. Now that's standing up, Christine Brennan. Well, uh, thank God for John Rahm. John Rahm saved us from having Brooks Kepka or Patrick Reed or Phil Mickelson live toward greed, greed, greed. Where's L. Duncan? Remember when L. Duncan broke into a live sporting event to lie to all of us and tell us the bill was called Don't Say Gay, which it's clearly not? Where are these folks? In fact, it goes the other way. Sue Bird and Megan Rapino are actually supporting men playing women's sports. Why? Because it fits their brand. Why? Cuz they're at the end of their career. I said it yesterday, I'll say it today. College basketball, women's college basketball practices against men, boys, students. And the boy why? Because At the end of the bench, on female college basketball players aren't very good. Not good enough to give actual competition to starters. So they bring in boys. The boys kick the crap out of the girls, and they never play. They're fat. Maybe they're out of shape. Maybe some are in shape. Maybe some played in high school, and they beat the crap out of the girls. If those boys, when Sue Bird was at Connecticut, if those boys had identified as female and were allowed to play on Connecticut's team, you'd have never heard of Sue Bird. Some guy said, well, take college-age Dan Dockage against college-age Sue Bird and see who would have won 7th grade Dan Dockage would have beat Sue Bird by 30. Are you out of your mind? What's wrong with you? But the truth of the matter is now, because her career is over, and it's the same thing with Megan Rapinoe, a 15-and-under boys team beat the U.S. women's national team. Had those boys said, look, we all feel... We feel like women today. You'd have never heard of Megan Rapino, but now they're at the end of their career. Now they got their little brand going. Now they got their thing going. So they don't care about the women behind them having their jobs taken, having their medals won, having their championships lost to men. They don't care. And Riley Gaines, she fired back at him. Let's show Riley's tweak. Uh, can we do that? She fired right back at him, and good for him. It's worth noting, Riley Gaines said to Megan Rapino, that you're done with your athletic career, absolutely. You've ne- Because you aren't sexually attracted to men, it's unlikely you will ever have a daughter to defend. To me, it looks like a classic case of virtual signal- signaling because you... Have nothing to personally lose. Now, Megan Rapino has achieved, you know, power lesbian couple status with Sue Bird. So she doesn't have to respond to this because she's a power lesbian. And we all know in this country, ho oh, ho, you put Sue Bird and Megan Rapino together and you got a force to be reckoned with. No, you've got two frauds. That's all you've got is two frauds. They don't like to say the bill. They don't like to say uh, they're changing the whole narrative here. Protection from unequal pay, sexual abuse, lack of research. No one's saying that. Not from trans kids. No one's saying anybody needs protection. Everybody's just simply saying what's fair. I'm just saying. And what's fair is simply this. If you're born a biological male and you want to transition, go play with the males. If you're born a biological female and you want to transition, go play with the females. Pretty simple. Uh, Honestly, if true females had stood up for 20 years ago, yeah, there you go. This is pretty good. I assume this is from our YouTube chat. It's amazing to me. It's stunning to me. That we allow this to go on, it's, stud- it's not really stunning because it's all about money. Megan Rapino and Sue Bird want to maintain their status as sympathetic power couple lesbians. You saw it all the time. Hell, you know who introduced us to that? Sex in the City. They did. Sex in the City introduced us to the power lesbian couple, and these two want to uh, establish. They don't care about any women athletes. They don't give a rats. And it is absolutely true what Riley Gaines said. They're at the end of their careers. They don't matter anymore. They don't have to worry about a transgender male coming in, taking their job. Riley Gaines also said that Megan Rapino would literally shiv a transgender male who tried to take her job. And I don't look at that. As that's bad. Megan Rapino, as the great Sean Black, El Presidente on the YouTube chat said, my backside. I would swear more, but I'm trying to cut it out. I gave it up for Lent, and I'm trying to continue it. It didn't work out well for me. I'm just saying, where are the women other than Sage Steele? Where is Laura Rutledge? Laura Rutledge, you gutsy gal, you. Where are you at, Laura Rutledge? What, are you still scared? Is that what you are? Laura Rutledge, you're like the new voice, right? L. Duncan, where are you at? Christine Brennan, where are you at? Nancy Amore, who says things about everything. Where are you at? A woman got attacked, a woman athlete got attacked, held hostage at a college. Laura Rutledge, afraid to even hang out with Sage Steele now because, well, my career... Because Sage is suing ESPN, frauds. All of them are complete. Where you at, Molly McGrath? Where you at? Are you big time? You get to go on the podium and hold the mic and interview guys. And golly gee, you're big time. Where are you? You're exactly where I figure y'all would be. Frauds. Every last one of you. Self-involved. Self gratification, I don't know the right word, frauds. And I knew it when I worked with you. We used to make fun of you. Because it's not about the job. It's about the boom, 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 boom. It's not about having any guts. It's about, well, I don't want to ruin my chances to be the sideline reporter for the Tennessee game. Okay, great. Great. Wonderful. You know what I'm saying? Wonderful. Nah. Sage St. Steele stood up. Sage St. Steele got slapped around by ESPN. She stood up. I don't see anybody else. Hey, Dan, can't wait for a six-eight male who can dunk a ball, claims to be female, plays against South Carolina and scores fifty. You'll hear Don Staley say something about that. I haven't heard Don Staley say crap except, of course, everything's racist. I haven't heard any of these people that are so loud. Where's the lady Angela Reese? Is that her name? Angel Reese. She's still doing this and this and all the stupid stuff that she does. Why is she standing up for women? Or is that because it's a white girl? We don't care. I don't know. I'm just going through what happens. It's amazing to me. And it's not surprising to me. It's not surprising at all to me. Not even a little bit to me, that it is not about the job. It is not about don't let anybody fool you at ESPN and other places. When you work with a guy like Mike Tirico or Dave O'Brien or Dave Fleming or Jason Benetti, it's about the job. When you work with these frauds, it's about, well, my status. I can't believe, uh, well, I want to be on that stage. I, wanna, I don't want to do anything to hurt my status. It's about the audition. Period. Ain't nothing else other than that. Just the audition. Guys like Tariko, Gus Johnson, uh, Tim Brando, you can name any of these longtime guys. It's about the job. It ain't about the audition. This isn't their fight. This is women's fight. And it absolutely astonishes me that a woman, an athlete, going to give a speech at a university, gets hit by a dude in a dress, gets kidnapped, and not one woman, where are the feminists, the social justice warriors, where are the sports center anchors, where are the USA Today columnists that all fancy themselves as so brave? Did you know Christine Brennan went and sat on a a panel the other day on Title IX? Yeah, good for Christine Brennan. That's about what she's good for. Riley Gaines out here getting attacked. (laughs) And what I loved about Riley Gaines was after she got attacked, she's like, hey, I know I'm doing it right. The great Riley Gaines joins us now. Riley, I've been all over. Only Sage Steele has come out and really publicly on a big stage kind of supported you. I'm shocked, or maybe I'm not shocked, all these sports center anchors, these USA Today writers, Christine Brennan, they haven't said squat. Nobody's here from a feminist, from a woman's side of it. No one said nothing,
2: and it pisses me off. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. The feminists who you would think would say something like Megan Rapinoe, who fought relentlessly for women's sports, who fought for equal pay and equal access and equal resources, and Billie Jean King. Who was a trailblazer for Title IX and for women to have the opportunity to play at, at that level? I can tell you what they're saying. They're both actively now fighting for women to lose those opportunities. And exactly as you just mentioned, it doesn't make sense. The the double standard, the hypocrisy of it all. I mean, Megan Rapinoe spent years whining about about not having equal pay and fighting to get that, and now. Actively doing the exact opposite and hoping women um, lose out on on chances and and don't get to dream in the same way that she did. And I think it's worth noting that she's done playing. It doesn't affect her anymore and she doesn't have a daughter to defend. Um, So what this looks like to me is is that she just wants to be seen as kind and inclusive because she has nothing to personally lose.
1: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being kind and inclusive, but if you're going to stand up for women, then stand up for freaking women, particularly a woman athlete who got, excuse my language, screwed out of a national championship by a dude and then goes to a college campus and gets freaking hit by a dude in a dress. Think about that for just a freaking second and then kidnapped. I mean, if you're going to stand up, this is what you stand up for.
2: Absolutely. And I, I do think just like you said, there's nothing wrong with being kind and inclusive. Everyone should aim to be kind and inclusive and accepting and welcoming and loving and, and all of the things. But in reality, it's not kind or inclusive to allow men into our spaces. This this whole thing that just happened at San Francisco State is exactly my point in proving why we do need sex protected spaces. It's it's crucial. It's crucial for women and, and it's it's funny that you mentioned feminists because I never considered myself a feminist. I, that's never something I, I thought I was because I believe in this sense of codependency between the sexes. Um, I'm, of course, married and my husband. We rely on each other for different things. But now I do call myself a feminist. I call myself a modern day feminist, which just means someone who's willing to acknowledge that women deserve respect and women deserve equal opportunities.
1: I want to go back. Uh, you actually changed your tweet, and I think you changed it for the better, right? I mean, you changed it basically saying that Megan Rapino will probably not have the opportunity. Sue Bird, same boat. I- I've said this, Riley. If I coached college basketball a long time, and women coaches, uh, friends of mine, when I was a men's coach, they always had guys practice against the women in men's, women's basketball and the guys beat the women. If the Yukon guys identified as a woman when Sue Bird was at Yukon, you'd have never heard of Sue Bird. And she'd be no. fighting like crazy to make damn sure it didn't happen, right?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely she would. Same thing with, with Megan Rapinoe. Same thing with all 40 of these athletes who signed on to this, this petition fighting for, for male inclusion into women's sports none of them would have had the opportunity to achieve what they achieved, to be in the same place that they are without the women's sporting category, without Title IX. If Title IX is altered in a way that it stops, um, it no longer stops discrimination on the basis of sex, but now stops discrimination on the the basis of gender identity, this is detrimental. It means that men could join sororities. It means that men would have access to every space, um, bathroom, locker room on campus for women. It would mean, of course, men could take um, both athletic and academic scholarships away from women. It would mean that men could live in dorm rooms with women and you could do nothing about it or else you were guilty of committing sexual harassment. And I, I think these women, they don't understand what's at stake. They don't understand how this is. I think we we like to look at the humanity piece from um, the opposition, the opposing side, you know, how this affects um, trans individuals, but why aren't we looking at how this affects women? Why are we totally neglecting our feelings and our safety and our privacy and our dignity and our fairness? Why are we neglecting that um, all while prioritizing the minorities? It's just there's so much about this that is not adding up. But I truly believe eyes are beginning to be opened and tides will start to turn soon.
1: I agree, and that's why I, I, my wife—I think I told you this—is a softball all-American, legendary coach at Bowling Green, Syracuse. Daughter, my stepdaughter, plays third base uh, for Harvard. So I know, and I, I listen to them. I listen to them, and they share your exact views. People always say this, and I want to run this by you. People always say, "Well, you got to have a solution." I said, "Okay, here's your solution. If you really got to be involved in this, if you're born a biological male." play with the men. If you're born a biological female, play with the females. That's it. Let's go.
2: Absolutely. It's a way that no one is banned. A lot of these, these state bills being passed, the opposition says that this is a bill that bans trans athletes from competing. No one is banned. No one believes anyone should be banned. I don't believe trans um, athletes should not be able to play sports. Of course they should be able to play sports, but it's a matter of playing where it's fair and where is safe. And so if that, of course, I think that means um, competing with your biological sex. But even in some sports, having a trans, a trans league, I don't know how realistic it really is in terms of setting this up, having people to play in it. But it's a way everyone can be embraced. Everyone can play. Everyone can play safely. Everyone has opportunities for success. And so I just don't understand why there's so much opposition in regards to these solutions. It's all a matter of fairness. This is not anti-trans. It's pro-woman and pro-fairness.
1: Yeah, and you, let me go back. I want to go back to a couple things. One, the, the spaces, uh, women's locker rooms. You know, I, I know this, you had to, correct me if I'm wrong, but Leah Thomas is sitting there with her business out, right, in the women's locker room. And you and other women that are competing against Thomas have to sit there in your own damn locker room and have a guy with guy parts sitting there with you, correct? Is that what happened?
2: Absolutely. And first of all, let me just say we were not forewarned we would be sharing a locker room space. No one asked for our consent. We did not give our consent. And I can't even tell you the the subconscious feeling to want to cover yourself. When someone of the opposite sex walks in, clothes fully intact and exposing male genitalia and watching others undress. It just feels like an innate feeling of you want to cover, you want to shield. Um, It felt like betrayal. It felt like belittlement. It felt like awkwardness, embarrassing. It's of course uncomfortable, but truly the word to describe it is traumatic. It's a feeling of trauma. You were supposed to have people protecting you in these situations. And a year ago, two years ago, maybe, a man walks into a woman's locker room, you call the DA, and he's immediately arrested. But now, oh, that's not happening. Happening. Not only are, are they not punished, it's actually encouraged. It's celebrated to have a man enter into a woman's sex-protected spaces and categories. Because after all of this, Leah Thomas was nominated for NCAA Woman of the Year. <laughs> Which, how degrading. How much of a mockery of, of women can you make? It's It's felt like a... It still feels like a slap in the face.
1: It is a slap in the face. It's 1,000% uh, a slap in the face. All right. I want to get to the San Francisco situation. Can you walk us through kind of from when things started going really badly uh, throughout the rest of the – how this all transpired?
2: Absolutely. So I gave my speech. um, Again, my speech was just about – What it takes to be an athlete at that level. Of course, my lived experience of our NCAA championships in regards to the unfair competition in the locker room. I touch on the silencing piece that so many athletes are dealing with and parents and coaches and all the things. And so I give my speech and there's, of course, many protesters in the room, but I, I welcome protesters I welcome people with different perspectives. That's why I choose to go somewhere like San Francisco. I know a lot of them won't agree with me, but that's who I want to get in front of. That's who I want to change their minds to see from my perspective. So there was lots of protesters and it was relatively civil. There was some heckling, but it was was good. And then after the event, almost as soon as it finished, it was as if the floodgates opened and I was rushed people from outside the classroom rushed in, they flickered the lights, they turned the lights off, they stormed the podium um, and they were pushing and shoving and hitting. And I was supposed to meet with the campus police an hour and a half before the event to discuss an exit strategy if this happened, but the police never showed up to meet me. And so I had no idea there was even police in the room. And so in this moment, I feared for my life. Um, It's so chilling to know what these people want to do to you and what they're willing to do to you. And so at this point, an undercover police grabbed me, which I didn't truly want to follow her at the time because I didn't really believe she was the police. But she was saying, come with me, come with me. And I didn't have much of an option. And so she's pushing me along. We exit the classroom into the hallway to where it was filled with more protesters. I'm talking hundreds. And so we could not exit the building. We were on the third floor and the stairways were were packed. And so we had to resort to going into another classroom along that hallway where I was barricaded in for three hours. And in these three hours, um, these protesters, they sat outside, they banged on walls, they stomped on the floor, they screamed terrible, violent, awful things to both myself and the campus police who were there. Um, I missed my flight home because I was stuck in this room. They were negotiating money with the with the Dean of Students <laughs> if I wanted to make make it home safely. They claimed if I got paid by the university to be there, it's only fair that they get paid if I get to make it home safely. Which, first of all, I did not get paid by the university to be there. (laughs) That was a misconception. Um, And so it just felt like the police weren't doing their job adequately because they were terrified. They didn't want to be accused of anything. They didn't want to be assertive in any way that could make it look like they were anything other than an ally to this community. Um, The dean of students, the administration, the university, they handled this poorly, extremely poorly, and since then, they've released statements saying they're so proud of their brave students for for handling such a controversial situation so well and being so peaceful, and they actually said the police force was excessive and uncalled for and that I was the one spreading violence. And so it just shows you how universities and how administrations, the direction they're going, um, and it is not a positive direction. Um, these are the people who are teaching the next generation, but they're not teaching them to be willing to be in a in a situation where you can have open dialogue and hear different perspectives. They're teaching if you disagree with someone, it's okay to be violent, it's okay to not want to listen, and it's okay to do everything you can to suppress their speech.
1: Uh, Riley. Did San Francisco you just can't show up at a university, get a conference room and speak. I assume they invited you here to speak.
2: That's correct. I was invited um, by Turning Point USA and the Leadership Institute to which those two chapters they they got everything approved by the administration. Um, it was all set to go. It, we went through all the hoops and hurdles to be able to be in that environment to speak. Um, so yeah, it was it was all approved.
1: And some idiot named Jamila Moore, who is the vice president of stupidity, apparently, at San Francisco State, she's the one that came out and said, yeah, our, our, our students acted peacefully. It reminds me of the riots where you saw you know, footage of places burning a couple years ago, and they're like, hey, you know, these are peaceful. How infuriating is it to see these comments from these idiots?
2: I don't I mean, I, I feared for my life in that moment, yet she's going to call it peaceful right. They were negotiating ransom if I wanted to make it home safely. And she's going to call it peaceful. We must have totally different definitions of peaceful because that is not peaceful to me. The protesters who were in the room initially, they had orchestrated a sit in um, and I knew this was going to happen. I knew there was going to be this sit in. I had gotten word of it before I got there. And I'm totally fine with the sit-in. I'm totally fine if people want to come and express their views. I open it up for questions at the end to which I answered all of their questions. We had, um, there were some individuals I had great dialogue with. That is peaceful protest for the most part. Again, there was some heckling. There was some um, things that probably could have been avoided, but I'm totally cool with that. But being rushed, being physically and verbally assaulted, that is not, peaceful by by any means and I think that's what truthfully I think this backfired on the protesters because this only really increased my social media following it only increased people's eyes being open to seeing how unhinged these people can be in the disguise of being kind and inclusive again and and, and um, tolerant this was not done out of of tolerance or love or compassion they it's it's, it's vengeful is what it is they were yelling in the hallway. Trans rights are under attack. What do we do? We fight back. That is not peaceful. I I, I don't even know how many times I can say it, but for Jamila Moore to do this and then go to her social media and block me. um, She felt it necessary. So I couldn't see her posts anymore. It's, it's so childish. It's so immature. And I can't fathom how sharing how I felt uncomfortable in a locker room with the male, and, and, and how the unfair competition piece is wrong is this controversial.
1: Let me, let me, let me, you're in a room, you're on the third floor, stairways are blocked. How did you get out of there? What, what, how did you, how did you, how did you get out?
2: Eventually the city of San Francisco police department showed up um, and they were more methodical. They were more assertive and they were able to properly evacuate me from the building. Um the campus police, again, I'm, of course, grateful for all police force all the time, but they did a very poor job. Um, after we were able to evacuate the building, there were still protesters, um, it, so many in the hallway. They were outside. And so when we we made it outside, they were running down the road trying to catch my car. And there was a reporter who was there who was doxing real time events where I was minute by minute which is also dangerous. Um, releasing my information, releasing my location to on Twitter publicly. It was just, (laughs) it was just crazy.
1: What I love about you, you're just a married woman from Kentucky trying to help women and you made the whole world crazy. And now what I love about it is you came back and said, yeah, that just makes my voice stronger. That just tells me I'm doing the right thing. Good for you.
2: Absolutely. I would um I would take a right hook from Mike Tyson if it meant defending women and girls' rights and spaces. Um it doesn't this doesn't deter me. It doesn't make me want to be quiet. It doesn't make me want to hide. I'm actually at Liberty University last night, and tonight I'm going to James Madison University because I believe it's so important to talk to this demographic. People my age, people who are in this younger generation, they're the ones who need to hear it clearly as as seen in San Francisco. And so this does not make me want to shut my mouth and and kindly smile and allow men to take over. Um, it, It does quite the opposite.
1: I don't understand, I honestly do not understand how this is such an incredibly controversial subject of don't let dudes in a woman's locker room. If, if I go back 10 years or 15 years, or you go to the Middle East, or you go somewhere, I have a segment on this show, Riley. It's called The Shit We Worry About. And I'm telling you, honest to God, attacking you for very simple, common sense type defending women is amazing to me the vitriol thrown at you unbelievable
2: absolutely i couldn't agree more it's um it's a blessing that i have such a strong support system um and again it backfired because this so many people have been reaching out to me saying you know i didn't know who you were before this but man i support you now um keep doing what you're doing fight this is so important and when i say fight i don't mean physically fight. I mean, push back on this, use your voice because there are so few female athletes. Um, I know we have Sage Steele. We had Michelle Tafoya, who's a broadcaster, Bethany Hamilton has, has made a statement, but there's in comparison, we need more people with influential platforms to be willing to say the truth because that's what this is. It's not opinionated. It's not anything other than factual. Men, on average, are taller, stronger, faster, more powerful than women. There's nothing hateful. There's nothing discriminatory about that. It's the sheer facts. And we need more people to be willing to stand firm in that truth.
1: Well, last thing before I let you go, why do you think so many women with platforms don't do what SAGE did, get out in front? Why, why do you think they're so afraid?
2: Because they see what happens to me in San Francisco when I do. Um, no one wants that to happen to them. No one wants to be labeled as as some sort of bigot or some sort of transphobe or any of these names. Um, and so they're scared. They, they'll talk about it privately, but they don't want to say so publicly. And a lot of these girls, um, they're threatened, especially girls who are still playing at the collegiate level, Um, They're threatened, they're intimidated, and they're emotionally blackmailed into silence from their universities, from their um, institutions. They're told, you know, you can't take a stance because we've already taken your stance for you or you'll lose scholarship time. You won't get into grad school. You'll lose your friends. You'll never get a job if you speak out. And so these girls don't feel comfortable using their voice because they're not willing to to make sacrifices. But we need to realize that sacrifices is what it's going to take to make change.
1: What do you ultimately see happening?
2: <laughs> I think this. Um, I think this will go on a little longer. This this madness. Um, but truthfully, I can't help but think the pendulum has swung too far. Granted, I've been naive before, but I just don't see how we can get to a worse state in terms of denying what a woman is than we're at right now. I mean, we have large organizations like Bud Light and like Nike and like Hershey's and like so many others who are essentially saying the best women are men. But women are starting to see what these companies are doing subliminally, you know, what's going on behind the scenes, who are they trying to appeal to and how it is degrading to women. And so again, I'm I'm hopeful that people will see how we've given an inch but they've taken a mile. Um there are people taking advantage of of the systems whether that be in sports or look at what's happening in prisons. All you have to do A male rapist, all a male rapist has to do to get into a women's prison is say, I'm a woman, which sounds great to a rapist. Right. And so I think people are beginning to open their eyes and systems will will begin to be put in place where this won't happen at such a rampant rate. Um, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm praying for that every day. I really am. Um, I'm praying for those people who who need their their eyes open when when that mob ambushed me. I immediately felt compassion in my heart to want to pray for them because they just looked so angry. I just felt like they needed a hug. I'm like, do you guys need a hug? I'll just give you a hug. And can we just move on? But I'm hopeful people will open their eyes.
1: That's reason number two. Nine million six hundred and seventy two you're a better person than I, because were I your husband, I would take a samurai sword and just start swinging it and hug him later after <laughs> after I went gladiator uh, on him. last last thing, I have said this. Tell me if you agree. I've said, look, Dylan Mulvaney and the rest of this nonsense, uh, being against what Anheuser Bush is doing is not about being transphobic. It's about being pro woman
2: absolutely especially when, um, I know I mentioned Nike. Nike has given Dylan Mulvaney a sponsorship for the women's clothing line, for sports bras and for leggings. And, And Dylan Mulvaney is sponsored by Tampax, which is of course a tampon brand. I mean, how badly can you not know your demographic if you're going to give a man a tampon sponsorship? It just, it feels as if it's, I know I said the word mockery, but that's how it feels. It's offensive um it, it has turned into i i use the term woman face where we have women or men who are dressing up as women and making a mockery of us i mean look at this photo of dylan mulvaney doing um in his his nike apparel this video that came out he was doing jumping jacks and different things is this how he really thinks how how women work out um is this what he thinks women are does he think we're just the hair and the makeup and 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 the tampons because that's not true Women are so much more than that, and we should not be physically compared to this.
1: I agree. Mockery is the perfect word because that's exactly what it is. You know, it used to be, they used to say sex sells in everything, right? Sex sells. Well, now it's mockery sells. Mockery should never sell. Mockery should be shunned. Mockery should be banned. Mockery should not be celebrated. And that is exactly what, and you're you, to your point, that is the perfect word, in my opinion. Totally.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we've seen even this past week, Bud Light sales go plummeting. And so it just proves we have to hit them where it hurts, which is their pockets. Um, we can't be providing money or any sort of um, compensation to these companies who are willing to do this. We need them to open their eyes as well. We need to hit them where it hurts, and that's the pockets.
1: Great. Riley, stay strong. And thank you. You've always been great to our show. I can't thank you enough. Um, and, and I, God bless you, man. And keep fighting. I mean, I'm here in my little show. I'll, I'm with you, baby. I'm with you.
2: <laughs> I know you are. And I love it. Thank you so, so Thanks, much. Riley. For
1: me. Thank you, Riley. Yeah. I mean, Hey, look, she's out there. She's being attacked. We I mean, think about that for a second. A dude in a dress is attacking a woman for talking about women's safe spaces and women being allowed to play against women. And somehow that makes people so mad that they attack them. God dang, Riley Gaines is freaking awesome. I'll tell you that right now. Absolutely freaking awesome. And we need more women to stand up, be bold, and let's go. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Daniel J. Doggins. I get fired up talking to strong women. I do. I'm sorry. I just do. I get, I get completely, totally fired up. We've got evil is now good and good is now evil. That's the world we live in. And Fan Pastor Man on the YouTube chat said that absolutely right. Man, oh man. It is fantastic what Riley Gaines is doing. It's fantastic what Ennis Cantor Freedom is doing. Ennis is going to join us coming up here in a minute. Some interesting NFL news. You know, a guy was number three pick in the draft a few years ago, uh, Jeff Okuda, who is a corner from cornerback U, the Ohio State University. Guess what? He just got traded for a fifth round pick. You all think getting draft choices in the NFL draft is a big deal. And maybe it is. But, man, oftentimes they go awry, and all of a sudden your third pick, third, not first, not second, but third, not third round, not third day, third overall pick, Jeff Okuda, is now gone From the freaking Lions to the Atlanta Falcons, who, by the way, have turned over their entire roster. So as you're getting ready for NFL season, do yourself a favor. Before you just discount the Atlanta Falcons, at least take a look and see who they have brought in because they're not done. They just need to get themselves a quarterback, and they might be in business. Speaking of wide receivers, speaking of the Ohio State University, where Akuda is from, Uh, Several teams are saying that there is only one guy, Jackson, I always say his name wrong. Jackson Smith uh, Jigba is the only wide receiver in the NFL draft. The only one, man, that's not good news for my beloved Colts. Why? Because my beloved Colts need a wide receiver desperately. My beloved Colts have two guys, Zach Pierce, who I think is going to be good, and Michael Pittman, who's good. Michael Pittman is legitimately good. Michael Pittman can play. Michael Pittman is not a number one receiver. So if you are a Colts fan or you are a fan of a team like maybe the Titans, although they have the Burks kid from last year as a wide receiver, if you need a wide receiver, this is not good news. And believe me, every team needs a wide receiver. Why? Because wide receivers rule. Running backs drool. Running backs, ah, wide receivers, let's go. Versatile Travis NTN, Debo Samuels, that kind of guy. Yes, that's what we need. And there's only one with a first-round grade? My goodness. We need more, more, more. But we shall see what we shall see. Sometimes what's good for the goose is good for the gander or whatever that saying is. And next thing you know, uh, some guy, it only takes one team. Some guy jumps up. And away we go. So we shall see. We're going to get into mock drafts and the like starting next week as we move within uh, about 10 days or so coming up on Monday or Tuesday of the NFL draft. It's very fascinating this year, at least from a standpoint of quarterbacks, at least from the standpoint of the Atlanta Falcons, of the Indianapolis Colts, that kind of thing. It's going to be kind of fascinating. We shall see what we shall see. But with only one wide receiver out there with a first-round grade, that does not bode well. That does not bode well at all. I'm fired up. I don't know if you can tell. But I think Riley Gaines is awesome, man. I do. She's just sitting there going, I want to give you a hug. Protesters trying to kill her. I wonder what they would have done if they got her. Let's just say for the sake of argument, these people would have, I don't know, grabbed her. What are they going to do? Are they going to beat her up? Are they going to kill her? Are they going to rape her? I mean, what are they going to do? That's the thing that I always wonder. You got this mob of crazy people. Are they just going to pummel her? Like, let's just say that she was walking on campus before the speech and didn't realize what was going on in terms of the level of hate that she saw later on. What are these people going to do, drag her in a building and hit her with sticks? Uh, seriously. It, it's amazing to me. Um, I, 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 I'm just curious. Like some guy's angry in a dress. Okay. All right. W- what are you going to do if you get her? I, I don't know. It's amazing. All right. In the world of North Carolina, listen to this. News or lawmakers are saying we want to ban participation trophies in youth sports. Three North Carolina lawmakers introduced a bill late last month to eliminate participation trophies in sports. It's Senate Bill 430 to eliminate awards in youth recreation activities of local governments based on just participating youth sports or other youth recreation activities operating under the authority of a local government shall not include awards for participants based solely on participation in that sport or other activity. Awards provided in connection with the activity, if any, shall be based on identifying performance achievements. You know what that means? That means if you win, we will give you a trophy. If you show up and play we're going to give you the opportunity to show up and play if it's ran by the government, if it's ran by, you know, a, a state-run thing. I feel like a kid should get something for finishing a full season with a team. If they came to practice all year, tried their hardest, I have no problem with that at all. That's Mark Johnson, a football and basketball youth coach. You've got some kids on that are on teams that aren't successful because of coaching. It's not on the players. They aren't successful. It's about the coach, and those kids deserve something. Yeah, see, here's the deal. When I was a kid, I loved trophies. I wanted to get a trophy. I wanted to get a trophy for Mr. Alley's Hot Dogs, where we didn't win a game when I was seven years old playing basketball. I wanted to get three straight 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old first-place trophies on Roma's Pizza. I wanted to get a trophy when we played CYO basketball. I wanted to be the MVP of the tournament. That was a big deal to me. Every tournament we played in, I wanted to go be handed a trophy. I did. Now, I didn't want to be handed a trophy because we participated. I didn't want to be handed a trophy because, well, we showed up to practice every day. <laughs> didn't mean anything. Maybe I'm different. I had this incredible competitive edge. Like when we ran laps after practice, our coach would say 50 laps around the gym. I had to be first. Drove me nuts for a long, long time. I finally let it go one night at ESPN when I just started eating everything in the building, but that's a different story. Participation trophies suck. Win. Learn to win. Learn to compete. If you lose, learn how to lose. It's that simple. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'll bet you you end up buying it. I'll bet you you end up buying Sunday ticket. i bet you. The NFL Sunday ticket is headed to YouTube TV. They want $249. It was, it's almost double what it was a year ago. If you want $249 for your YouTube TV, you've got to get it by June 6th. Sunday ticket. If you want to pay $349, then don't sign up by June 6th. Sign up after June 6th. Here's some other deals. $289 if you bundle it with Red Zone. Before June 6th. $389 if you bundle it with Red Zone after June 6th. Now look, I'm good with not having Sunday ticket. I've learned that the red zone shall set me free. I used to be, and I know a lot of you guys and girls used to be this too. You used to be the channel changer in your house, didn't you? Hey, Danny, change the channel. Go channel five there. Hey, uh, Tom, my brother, get channel seven up there, will you please? Hey, (laughs) we were the human channel changer. I remember going to my grandfather's house. He had a Zenith. It had a a clicker. It was nirvana. I could not believe how great it is. Now I'm so spoiled. I don't know how you guys are, but now I can talk into my TV and say ESPN, and it changes the channel to ESPN into my remote. How glorious is that? How wonderful is that? It's unbelievable. There you go. That's it. That's what we do. Now, because I'm downstairs and we don't have that same technology on the remote, I actually, I got a thing on my phone that I change the channel with, and it drives me nuts because I'm so lazy. I'm so freaking lazy. I love the red zone. I'm with you, Senator BS, on the YouTube chat. You ain't getting any money from me, YouTube TV. Nothing. Not a dime. Zero. Zip. Nada. Boom. That's it. All right, Ennis Cantor Freedom is being honored. How about that? He's being honored in Utah. We'll tell you why. We'll tell you what's going on with it. And remember, you YouTube fans, get yourself done by June 6th. I don't know why June 6th. I'm sure there's a reason June 6th. But if you want to save 100 bucks, June 6th, I'll tell you what you should do. If you're dying to get the YouTube stuff, go DoorDash. You can make a couple hundred bucks by June 6th. Easy. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. You know, earlier in the show, we had Riley Gaines on who was just giving a speech. Uh, at San Francisco State University about the fairness or the unfairness of women having to compete against men and men like Leah Thomas with their male parts sitting in a locker room buck naked and and the unfairness of all of that and freedom of speech was under attack as she was under attack and as Cantor Freedom joins us he is actually getting today in Utah in Salt Lake City the mayor's Freedom Award for promoting freedom of speech. It's good to see somebody actually promoting freedom of speech getting rewarded.
0: You know, I was actually just uh listening to your conversation with Riley. What a hero. Um, her words were so inspirational. But uh no, I'm 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 definitely excited, man. It's going to be an amazing day. It's NS Cancer Freedom Day here. So it's definitely a sunny and beautiful day. Uh people are uh very excited. I'm really excited. I'm not playing, I, mean, I played three and a half years here, you know, it was my first home. And I remember, you know, we had good times, we have uh, bad games, but we, one thing we did was just the city and the state will just support us no matter what. So I'm really excited to be here again.
1: I want to go into something because you were drafted by Utah after (laughs) not playing. The NCAA said you could not play at Kentucky. (laughs) You went to Kentucky practiced, had to listen to Cal's crap for a year, and then ended up in Utah. Walk me through that.
0: You know, I uh, so the, the, the reason actually I came to America uh, was because so I could play basketball and get my education at the same time. You know, I wanted to play college basketball, and obviously University of Kentucky was one of the best basketball programs in, uh, in the nation. So I signed with them. You know, I was su- super excited to play with my teammates, Coach K, and, and the, everyone else. But uh, NCA came back and said, "Well, you played, you know, professional basketball in Turkey, and you're not allowed to play here." And I'm like, I turned down millions of dollars in Turkey to just come here and play basketball and like, get, get my education at the same time. So the NCA rules were just disgusting. Anyway, I don't want you want to. Yeah, get into that but I couldn't play for a year so I just practiced with the team and then got ready for the draft and got drafted for the 3rd pick by Utah Jazz
1: When you were at Kentucky and Utah ends up drafting you did scouts came in to practice everybody knew you everybody knew you were yeah. a big time Player, whether or not you pl- pro- played, you know, in Rupp Arena, or you played in the practice facility, yeah. everybody knew you coming in. Hell, I knew you. Co- you know, when I was broadcasting for ESPN, yeah. I knew exactly who you were. No, it wasn't. It wasn't
0: amazing time, man. I had so much fun with, you know, my teammates. Obviously, I just wish that I get to play college basketball because that was my whole dream. To play at Rupp Arena, win a championship. I mean, we still made final fours. We lost against UConn. It was Kemba Walker just destroyed us, but, you know, I still had an amazing time. I actually learned my language in English in Kentucky, you know, uh, so they the tutors and my, you know, teammates and everyone else really helped me a lot. So uh, I'm definitely uh, thankful for them.
1: When, when you look back at your time coming into the NBA, uh-huh. Um, you're a basketball player. You were, you know, you, as you said, you turned down millions as a teenager to come here, and now you're in the NBA. Yeah. And eleven years later, all this stuff happens. You're, do you ever look back and go, "Man, I did not see this route coming."
0: <laughs> I definitely did not. I mean, my especially my first two years in the league, all I cared about was just play basketball and have fun with my teammates. I mean to. Coming into the league as a teenager, obviously, you know you don't know any of this conversation outside of basketball. So I was like, you know what? Let me just have fun with my teammates, play basketball. Utah is a beautiful state, amazing city, Salt Lake City. Uh, I wasn't allowed to ski, in, obviously, but uh, I always wanted to ski. It was not my contract, but uh, no, it was a beautiful time, man. But uh, and then after that the things that started to happen in my country, I was like, I have to make a decision. Do I want just to play, just play basketball and go out, have fun with my teammates? Do I really want to take some strong stance, which, you know, that's going to affect millions of people?
1: It was your it was country easy- and, the atro- and the atrocities in Turkey that kind of got yes. you going, right?
0: Yeah, was it, it started with the corruption scandal in, in Turkey, President Erdogan and his family members were involved in it. And then this guy was going around and shutting down media outlets, putting journalists in a jail, putting, um, you know, prosecutors or lawyers. And I'm like, I don't care who you are. If you're fighting against a free media, I'm going to say something about it, you know? So I said something because of the NBA platform it became a conversation. And at that point, they really started to put pressure on me and my family. I mean, they jailed my dad, you know, they revoked my passport, they raided my house, they were sending me death threats, and my family had to publicly disown me. Think about it. So they will leave them alone. They still they, they didn't. I mean, till this day, it's been almost, what, 10 years now. I mean, my family still cannot even go outside comfortably and just walk in the streets because they're just getting harassed from the people all the time.
1: When did that cross over for you to your disagreement with what the NBA was doing in terms of their relationship with China? Do you remember the point where you're like, "Wait a second, I got to further this to the business I'm in"?
0: So I'm sure I'm sure everyone remembers three years ago, uh, the general manager of Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey, tweeted something. It was literally a simple tweet and says, "Free Hong Kong." Sorry, stand with Hong Kong, right? And then after that, I'm like, NBA was just like going crazy, right? And, uh, and I'm like, this is very interesting because NBA is always be like, well, we care about free, free speech, we care about social justice, we care about, you know, human rights and all that stuff. I'm like, so I was just like, at that point, I was just like watching and see what's going on. And then after that, two years ago, during the NBA bubble, Right, NBA was the first organization. I'm sure you followed it very closely. You know, we're t- taking knees and saying we are more than athletes. We are bigger than basketball. We have to care about social justice and all that stuff. And all these players were putting on their shoes. You know, Black Lives Matter, Breonna Taylor, I can't breathe. And I'm like, you know what? We have a freedom of protest in America. I'm sure. Um, if that's how you feel, keep doing what you're doing, right? And two years later. I started to speak up about the problems were happening in China and NBA was pressuring me to stop talking. And I'm like, two years ago, I thought you were like a social justice organization, but two years later, just because of, you know, that's going to cost you millions of dollars. You don't want to say a word about it and you, or you don't want to protect me. You know, you don't want to uh, support me. So at that point I was like, you know what, I, this, the whole organization, the whole system needs to be exposed So, like, all the players, all the kids out there can be inspired. So I was like, you know what, whatever it costs, I'm just going to go out there and do whatever I can to just expose the whole system. And I did it.
1: And I have no regrets. You told me before that a number of people uh, in the Uh NBA, coaches, other players, said, hey, look, I support you privately, not not publicly, right?
0: Yes. Oh, my God, many of them. Many of them came to me and like, hey, man, listen, the, the shoes that you've been putting on, the most inspirational shoes i ever made. Um, the, the, the things that you talk about, it's bigger than basketball. We love you, we support you, but we just cannot do it out loud. I asked them why. They said, well, we have shoe deals, we have endorsement deals, and I do not want to give names. These people are all-stars. These people are superstars. I, they said, well, you know, we cannot, because we want to get another contract. And I was like, well, put yourself in their shoes, the people in China. You know, if your mother, if your sister, if your daughter was on concentration camps and getting tortured and raped every day, would you still pick money and business over your morals, values, and principles? They usually turn around and leave the room. It's it's such a shame how, you know, they are being, it's like, even like, forget about China. Let me give you an example of America. You know, whenever I go, and th- some of these like, uh, right wing um, media outlets, right I was getting so much dirty looks in a locker room, and I'm like first of all I talk about human rights I'm not going there to talk about oh let's vote, vote for this party let's vote for this guy I'm talking about human rights I feel like it's a bipartisan issue and everyone should care about it because it's above politics and but then they're like well you know it's Fox News well because of this and I'm like, dude, this is crazy. I promise you, I have some teammates, I have some coaches. Secretly, was coming be- before and after the practice was whispering my ear. And they were saying, listen, man, we watched you last night with my whole family. We support you. I'm sorry, we cannot tell you that we support you because, you know, if we <laughs> do, then we are going to be get hated on like the our the whole season. You know? Um, but... This is what it is, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. And at that point, I'm like, we're talking about America. We're not talking about Iran, Russia, Turkey, China. We're talking about the one of the most freest country in the world, and people are scared to tell me that they support me because I go on this, these channels or write to this media outlets.
1: When did you know, or let me ask you this, you've been speaking, you lost your career in the NBA clearly you've been blackballed. do you think as you look back from then to now, do you think there's been any movement in the NBA or is the NBA doing what big corporations do just ignore and keep doing their thing?
0: you know there is there is a change but people are too scared you know I was listening to you know Riley like just like she said people know what's going on. You know, people are aware, but they're just too afraid to speak up. You know, it's just such a shame because they know as soon as they say anything about, you know, China or what's going on or say the truth, they know all their shoe sales, jersey sales, all all their sponsors, endorsements will be gone. You know, because the owners especially, they look like they care about social justice. They do not. 40 of them have $10 billion tied up with China, you know. So they don't want to take that risk by signing me or anyone that who criticize Chinese governments, you know. Uh, so that's why I'm like, you know what, this whole thing needs to be exposed. And we did it. But uh, this is not enough. I mean, look at what the Congress did. They just brought the CEO of TikTok and they literally grilled them. And it was just lying to the Congress. And I want them to do the same thing to Adam Silver. I want them to do the same thing to CEO of Disney. You know, we got to hold these corporations, organizations, and people accountable, or because or it's going to be too late.
1: You think that'll ever happen with Adam Silver? And if not, why oh, not? Will.
0: Oh, you, it will happen. Trust me. It, it is going to happen, and we, I'm already in touch with many of my congress friends. Um, you know, in the Congress and Senate. And I think, because when you look at America, like NBA and Hollywood is like the one that is really deep within uh, China, you know? Um, I mean, I even made a joke a couple weeks ago, like, you know, given how much NBA is and loves doing business with China, might as well pay the players with Chinese currency, you know? So uh, no, I know, I believe that they are going to bring him. And I believe that that, hearing is going to be one of the most amazing hearing that Congress ever hold because it's time to hold these people accountable, which are pretty much selling our country.
1: Hey, Ennis, what's the difference? You know, you mentioned TikTok and they brought the CEO of TikTok and they grilled him and then, you know, senators went out and supported or whatever. But what's really the difference if you're going to say that, I don't know, that China Runs TikTok. What's the difference when you say the NBA is ran by China, particularly given the financials that you just mentioned?
0: Exactly. There is no, there is no difference. You know, the only, only bad thing about you know TikTok is just if you download TikTok, then all your data, all everything that you talk or you text will be in Chinese government's computer. So just make sure. And unfortunately, 150 million people downloaded TikTok in America. We are worried about the Chinese spy balloon. Only one, but we have 150 you know, spy, whatever you call it, app in our phone, and we never talk about it, you know? So, you know, best example, is YouTube allowed? Is Facebook allowed in China? Is Google allowed in China? Is Twitter is allowed in China? No, Any is any of the Western's app is allowed in China? No, so why are we letting a Chinese app, which we know it's spying on us, let it uh, in our country? Come on, man. I mean, that's an easy, that should be an easy, you know, fix. Just bend the whole app.
1: What what did you think of the balloon flying over and the inability or the ineptness of our government to say, wait, we're gonna stop this before it ever gets here? what did you yeah. think of that?
0: Oh my goodness. I mean, I'm like, like, come on. You know, that balloon, <laughs> that balloon should have be shot down the the second that it enters the American soil, you know. But uh it's just, it's sad, man. We just need to, we need an administration where, you know, they're going <clears> to <throat> hold these dictatorships accountable. And look at what they doing with Turkey. Now I have been trying to meet with the Biden administration since the day that they took to office. Since the day they took to office. Well, because of Turkey, because of Erdogan, I actually even had a conversation with one of the Democrat uh, senators. He was a Democrat, and I was like, I'm eating a lunch with him, and I was like, Senator, do you think that President Biden knows my story? And he said, absolutely. And I was like, I've been trying to get in touch with touch with him since the day he took to office. So why not him or his anyone from his administration that has not returned, returned yet? He said, well, because of Turkey, because of Erdogan, because of NATO. So I was like, Senator, you're telling me the most powerful man and the most powerful house in the world are scared to me with a 30-year-old NBA player. He said, I cannot say that they're afraid, but yes, they are afraid. You know? So like that hit me so hard. And we're talking about America. We're talking about the most powerful men in the world. To scared to me with a 30. They put a bounty on my head. I'm an American citizen. The foreign government put a bounty on American citizen head in US soil. 35 congressmen circulated a letter to President Biden and said, do something about it. Like, actually do something about it. You know, we did not even, not me, even the congressmen did not even hear anything from him. I was like, you know what, this is just...
1: Do you fear for your life?
0: Not in America. I know in, in America I'm well protected. I mean, I do get a lot of death threats all the time by you know Turkish government uh, and stuff but uh in America I'm in touch with FBI all the time unprotected 24/7 but even they said like if you leave outside of America we cannot protect you. I waited my whole life to live, you know, leave America and just go to different countries and do basketball camps and hold speeches and do events and stuff and now the bounty thing happened and I cannot even leave the country now. But the only thing that just that just makes me sad is like, hey man, like you are my president. You know, I am your citizen and you are my president. Why don't you do something about it? You know, when the whole Britney Griner thing happened, right, the whole, the world shifted for it. You know, they did everything they could to bring her home. And now, I'm in, I'm not in Russia or China, I'm in America and it's been, my whole life is threatened by a dictatorship, a foreign government. And you are not doing anything about it.
1: You know, one of, one of the interesting things, and it's not interesting; it's very sad. When's the last time you mentioned this earlier? And it's, when is the last time you saw your family?
0: <laughs> Two thousand what, or thirteen? Around almost ten years now. You know, almost and ten years. They can't
1: travel, right?
0: Nope, they cannot travel. They're not allowed to leave the country, they, the, the Turkish government took their passport away, so they cannot really allow to leave Turkey. Um, and that, I mean, freedom, the stand for freedom comes with a big price. And people keep talking about me losing my job, being, me being blackballed, of course, that was my career, but on the other side, I worked stand for Freedom and I pretty much lost my family. You know, it's been 10 years now. I'm not even allowed to like pick up the phone and say, "Hey, mom, how are you doing?" "Hey, dad, like I was, I was life, you know." Um, so it's been it's been very tough. But just seeing this treatment from the American government, I'm not obviously putting everyone in. It just like questioned my stand. And I'm like, I stand for Western values. I stand for American values. I try to stand for democracy, freedom, human rights, not only in Turkey but all around the world. And I wanna have a one conversation with the press, right, for five minutes. to so talk about my family's situation, talk about the bounty, you know? And we don't even hear from them because they're scared of everyone, because the a hey, Turkey is a NATO ally. I mean
1: man, come on, you man. Know, I'm just man, he, 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 Yeah, it's what, it's been, what does it what does it mean to you? personally, that Utah is doing what they're doing for you tonight? What, what does that mean to you personally?
0: You know, it, it definitely means a lot because the, the road that I am taking is a very lonely road, you know? I played 11 years in the NBA. I had hundreds of teammates, hundreds of coaches, so many people in the front office. When the whole China – when the Turkey thing was happening, everyone was supportive, you know? But when the whole China thing happened, when I start criticize Nike and all that stuff, right? Everyone left. Not even one teammate calls or texts me now. You know, but anyway, I'm not gonna get get into that much. But uh, but having this kind of like event in Utah, where it was my first home, by you know, by state of Utah, city of Riverton, uh, mayor, it definitely means a lot to me it shows, it, it has shown me that I'm not alone in this. You know, I have people who still support me. I have people who's not afraid to speak up, who's not afraid to support someone who's, you know, who's speaking for what's right. So this definitely means a lot to me. And I'm really excited to, you know, meet the m- mayor. I found with, have fun with Rivers in Utah. So it's going to be an exciting day.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, as much as you're out there and you're, you're mm-hmm. doing great work, you know, it's nice once in a while for someone to say, hey, we appreciate what you're doing and on a bigger scale, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just, you know.
0: You know, I felt so emotional when I received this award from, uh, actually, Fox News. It was... Uh, it was a petrieve of the year award. You know, I had thousands of people screaming freedom, clapping and, you know, supporting me. That, I was like, that is like, that is real America. You know, that cheers and stands with someone who stands for freedom, you know? So I felt like, I was like, my goodness, this is beautiful. And now, you know, Mayor of Riverton just giving me this beautiful award is just, it definitely means a lot to me. And I'm sure like from very, very far away on the other side of the ocean, I promise you my family will be watching it.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. And it's sad that it has to be that way, but apparently yeah. at least for now, it does. Congratulations, and Thank you for being awesome uh, and coming on our show, man. we uh, I hope you know there's a lot of people supporting you. We can be loud because here at Outkick we're allowed to be. When I worked at ESPN, man, I'd have been fired for having this damn interview.
0: <laughs> hey, You know what? I get all this. I get all this like uh, you know sports news from you guys. I don't. I don't go on ESPN. I don't go on any. I go on Outkick because I. I know that they are gonna say what's right, even if it means like, you know, stand for whatever. So that's why I'm like, it, you know, it's, it's beautiful, man. I'm sure so many. Young athletes, so many kids who wants to be an athlete are following you guys. So it's it's definitely amazing to be here with this, speaking with you guys.
1: It is amazing how many of my friends that work at ESPN hit me up and say, "Hey, man, any job openings over there?"
0: It's <laughs> unbelievable. I feel it. Trust me, I feel you.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Ennis. Have a great night, man, and congratulations.
0: Thank you, guys, so much.
1: I love talking to strong people that stand up, man. And What is life if you're not going to stand up? What are you going to do? Just go along with things you don't believe in? Ennis Cantor Freedom is one of the all-time patriots, I believe, in this country. And good for the city of Utah, the mayor uh, at Salt Lake City, for honoring him um, for his free speech. It's just awesome. And what a great day, at least. You know, these are the fun days for me. You know what I mean? These are the days where I just love it. I do. When you talk to smart people, and again, you think I'm kidding about being fired. I'd have been fired for having the interview with Riley Gaines. I'd have been fired for speaking up with Ennis Cantor. I mean, that's what ESPN doesn't want. Now, if I were a black female or a black uh, host, i say whatever I want. But as a middle-aged white dude at ESPN, are you kidding me? I'd have been fired a long time ago. I had a good friend that's a producer there. He saw my rant on the women's final four. And he sent me – I got a bunch of friends, like, you know, at ESPN. He sent me a thing, and it was like, hey, man, I absolutely love your stuff. I knew this was who you were, blah, you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, hey, how long do you think my deal on Sue Bird, Megan Rapino? the God awfulness, the God, absolutely horrific officiating would have lasted at ESPN. And he's like, ah, about a minute, yeah, about a minute and a half. That's about it. And he's right. He's right. It, it is one of those deals where, you know what? Um, you just, it just feels good to stand up. They just announced my new three-year deal and, uh, Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's awesome, and I thank them at EA. Excuse me, I thank the Outkick folks. I thank Gary and Aaron and everybody involved. I think the sponge has had it. Uh, I'm looking here, man. Uh, So you know, it is what it is, and I'm so glad to be here at Outkick for at least the next three years. We want to keep building this, particularly on the YouTube channel. We want to build this YouTube into something absolutely special, where it's just a channel you go to. In the morning, I got to tell you, I'm a morning TV person, or I have been, and it was always, frankly, Mike and Mike, and now there's absolutely nothing there. And you're going to see OutKick continue to grow, and I got to thank all of you that show up every single day on the YouTube channel. It's just amazing, uh, the support that we get. You know what I mean? It is. It's just absolutely uh, fantastic. The NBA just released this. Listen to this. The NBA, who is bragging about, the NBA sent a memo to its league office um, instructing them to reduce expenditures, limit hiring for the rest of the fiscal year due to economic restraints. Ju- due to, like other business in the United States and globally, the league office is not immune to microeconomic pressures and taking steps to reduce expenses. That's the Joe Biden economy, man. And these idiots in the NBA, they all want you to vote. And when they say go vote, they're not talking about voting for Donald Trump or anything that makes fiscal sense. They're talking about voting for idiots on the liberal side of the aisle. Like other business in the U.S. and globally, the league office is not immune to microeconomic pressures and taking steps to release or reduce expenses. Yeah, all right. The league is nearing the completion of its nine-year television agreement, ESPN-ABC-Turner Sports, which apparently uh, did not go well for any of them, which apparently they are trying to combat the NBA and ESPN and everybody else is by saying that 97% capacity is a new record in NBA arenas, but according to all of the metrics on television where the big money is made, NBA ratings have dipped. Uh, And I don't know if they will continue to dip. I don't know if it's an aberration, but I do know this. The NBA has an AAU problem. It doesn't look big time anymore. It looks little. It looks small, the NBA does. The NBA looks like you could show up on a Saturday at Westfield High School where they have a big facility and a bunch of AAU teams are playing and a bunch of coaches are wearing old sweatsuits with gold chains around their neck, looking like idiots, yelling, oh, when somebody makes a move or yelling, take him. You know, the NBA looks small. It used to look big. When Michael Jordan and Reggie Miller were wearing suits and Scottie Pippen and they were showing up, it looked big. Now the NBA looks small, really small. And on television, they're paying the price. I will say this. I went to one NBA game this year, and it was a blast. I had a good time. In fact, my wife, Lee, said, great time, man. Fantastic time. Uh, We did. We had a really good time. But the truth of the matter is watching it on television, it just seems small. It seems little. It seems AAU-ish. It seems high school-ish. It just does. But the NBA playoffs start, and we are going to make some money for you. All right. When we come back, you're not going to believe some of this stuff. I can't believe this baseball field and the design. Uh, The Pacers got a little sexy with one of their their rookies. We'll tell you about that. Thanks, everybody, for supporting us over this last year and a half. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know it was inevitable, did you not? You knew that the lady, Alyssa Gordon Heinerschid who is the VP of Marketing, who doesn't like the, quote, fratty humor, fratty environment of Bud Light and aims to change it through a man with a penis that acts like a woman, well, you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. You knew there were social media pictures. So here it is. Our gal, our favorite gal, Alyssa Gordon Heiner-Schmidt's Facebook page, Senior Reserve Initiation Scavenger Hunt. She was a student at Harvard where they had something called the ISIS Club, ISIS being a superstar of mythical proportions. And here she is, condoms being blown up, chugging Bud Light, looking more fraternal, than most dudes. The ISIS club was established in the year 2000 at Harvard by a group of 25 women. The meeting took place at the Lacquer Commons and set a foundation for the community there today. I asked my stepdaughter, Tegan, if she knew about the ISIS club. She did not. And as a strong woman on campus, I would think that she is. But ever since the first group of they call them punches, were inducted in 2002 in the bell tower of Laurel House, the ISIS club continues to fulfill its mission of providing a safe and social space for women. But here she is, ladies and gentlemen, Elisa Heiner Schmidt and her hijinks of being fratty. I don't have any problem with any of it. Look, we all got social media posts that we're not proud of. We all got videos out there that we're not proud of. I'm sure everything will be exposed by everybody in due time. And I don't really care, but the truth of the matter is she is awful fratty. And you knew it was coming. It's inevitable. It's just what it is. Check out this baseball field, ladies and gentlemen. You want to see baseball played at its finest? Check out the most poorly designed baseball field in the history (laughs) of the world. Uh, Let's see if we got it coming up here. There's a little video here that we're going to play for you. As we move into what the hell wins. There you go. We're running. Holy cow. We got a big old field up there. Hey, can we not have a big old hill in the outfield? Now, I remember, I think it was Enron Field or Minute Maid Field. Uh, One of those fields had a hill, and that hill not only had that, but it had a light post in the middle of it. Now, I don't know about you, but that does not, that, that is not conducive to running up a hill and catching a ball. Like, running up a hill, chasing a ball backwards, there it is right there. That's very odd to me. I think they got rid of it. They should have got rid of it. I mean, I cannot believe they actually thought that was a good idea, but they did. Look at this. Go back, back. Oh, my God, it's a monstrous hill. Jeez. Come on, people. Can we not do that? All right. Well, there it is. And you see that light post right there? It's inside the field. What the hell? (laughs) How about this? Benedict Mathurin? Last day, last game. He's a rookie. He's out of Arizona. I think he's played really well for the Pacers. The Pacers vets decided, ah, let's have one last little rookie deal with Benedict Mathurin, And let's go ahead and Saran wrap his car. (laughs) Let's plastic wrap his car. Now, I've seen this looks like a pain in the backside to actually do. This takes a lot of work. This takes something where you got to not only, I don't know, have the idea, then executing the idea of a prank is always a little bit difficult. But there he is. Do we have a video on this or is this just uh, a picture? <laughs> Boy, what happened to you? <laughs> There's one thing I don't play about is my donut. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay. Supposed to be syrup.
1: I let it live. <laughs> what happened? Hey, who wrapped this? <laughs> no, because they feel lucky. It's that
2: man. Man,
1: you okay? Life is beautiful, man. Feels great, man. You know it feels that uh, the whole year I've been showing un- appreciation
0: to my teammates and. You know, they really endure, my. Um...
1: Okay, you got those, right? You got those, right? <laughs> <laughs> Man, look at that. Just look at it from that standpoint. You got to go, what? You got to go underneath the car, right? and Wrap it around. You got to. That looks like a lot of work. That was Miles Turner, the vet. On the Pacers with the video and the discussion, but you got to go underneath and wrap it around. I mean, that looks like a big time hassle to me, but hey, man, good for the Pacers, eliminated for the playoffs. They do have a good young group. We'll see what happens in the years moving forward. Tyrese uh, Halliburton, really good. We'll see what happens with Miles Turner. This kid here, Mathurin, really good. He needs to learn to shoot the ball better, but hey, seem to be a close knit group, and I think that's a sign of love. Uh, A newlywed man, listen to this, a newlywed man in India just died after his wife's ex-lover gifted them a stereo filled with, wait for it, explosives. Man, it's undefeated, ladies and gentlemen. It is undefeated. And if you don't know what I'm saying is undefeated, then I cannot help you. But it is undefeated. It is $600 million and oh, and all of a sudden, some dude in India, he just wants to get married. And this guy here decides, all right, marry this. How easy is it to say, well, fella, you're the one that gave the gift. You gave the gift. The gift exploded. There were bombs in the gift. Guess what? We're going to arrest you. Now, I'm not saying that this is the easiest crime to solve in the world. I would argue there is probably more. Many times, um, many times it is, well, not murder that's easily solved. And many times, murders are not easily solved. Murders can be very, very difficult to solve. But this murder, to me, seems like a no-brainer. Hey, wait a second. Uh, who gave the gift of the stereo? You know, the one that exploded? Uh, he did. Okay, uh, sir, come with me. You're under arrest for a variety of offenses, including murder. What? What'd I do? What do you mean, what you do? You killed somebody. No, I didn't. No, you did. Dumbass. I'm telling you though, and I think everybody would agree, it is 1000% undefeated. 8 billion. And oh, and I'm trying to find here. I had the story up and I'm trying to find it here. So, the bride's ex gives them a home theater music system rigged with explosives. The dude was livid that she was marrying another man. Hemendra Hurali died Monday in his house. His elder brother, Rajkumar, died as well. They plugged in the system. They died. 18-year-old, 18-month-old child suffered injuries. The blast was so strong, it brought down the roof and the walls of the house. This guy is Sarjay Markham. He was arrested. He is a married man and a father of two. He was in a relationship with the 29-year-old woman and wanted her to be a second wife. He had lied to Marawi's wife that he wasn't married. She realized the truth. She wouldn't marry him, but he kept threatening her. Kept threatening. He fitted the bomb in the system and kept it below the platform among with the other gifts. He told police he had planted a device in the home theater and gifted it to the newlywed couple in a bid to kill them. He used ammonia nitrate, petrol, gunpowder that he got from firecrackers. He gift wrapped it to avoid any suspicion. The blast got triggered when the system was turned on. He made he worked at a stone-crushing plant where he learned how to make explosives using aluminum nitrate. How about that? How about that blast? Holy cow. Um, a man in Florida got crabby in the McDonald's line. Now I want you to think about this. He's there, he's in the McDonald's line, and he gets blanked off. Was he blanked off about? And we've all been there the guy in front or the gal in front of him took too long. Tell me you haven't been there. Look me in the eye, Jennifer, and tell me you're not sitting there going, oh, man, come on. I mean, what are you doing? Dumbass, that's so beautiful. So this clown decides that it's a good idea that, you know what, the order's taking too long. A man shot at a couple at a McDonald's during an argument about their order taking too long. Now, last I looked, isn't it on McDonald's? Polk County, Rebecca Hyde and her boyfriend, David Toomer, went to a local McDonald's, ordered a burger meal at the drive-thru. There was an issue with the order. The man waiting behind them became impatient because the order took too long, got out of his car to scream at the couple. The gentleman became irate, they said, started honking and screaming, wanting everything to move. They were told they couldn't move forward. McDonald's has a policy. They can't walk outside to bring you the food. When they did that, my brother got out of the car as well, noticed that the other guy had a gun. Hey, I don't want this fight. Just go back to your car and take it from there. The guy didn't like the answer. The two men started beating the hell out of each other for the third time, and a fight broke out in the parking lot. Rebecca, the woman, joined the fight. The man followed the couple as they drove off from the drive through and started shooting. He was shot in the arm. This guy was. The bullets are still there. They cannot remove them. He made loose feeling in his arm. When he was shot in the neck, the bullet lodged into her jaw. She was shot in the neck. She's on life support. So this idiot is looking at a murder charge, assuming she dies. How about that? This dumbass, who apparently... Has got to get his fries, and he had his strap with him and one in the hole or three in the hole, and he started unloading because, well, it took too long to get his McDonald's. Dumbass. Mac dumbass is the perfect way to put it. That's it. Mac dumbass. This is an odd story. A guy is getting, I want to make sure I got this right, six months in jail. Six months in the can for what? Not shooting a McDonald's customer. No. No. Not robbery. Not burglary. Not rape. Not arson. No. No, 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 no. Not putting explosives in a couple's uh, electronics. No, this guy's getting them for scaring 1,100 chickens. Yeah, I said it. Chickens. You don't be scaring the chickens. See all those chickens? Here's the deal: the chickens died. A Chinese man was sentenced to prison Tuesday for sneaking into his neighbor's onto his neighbor's property to scare thousands of the man's chickens to death as part of a revenge plot. Listen to this: the man, only identified as Gu G U, was convicted of using a flashlight to terrify the birds, causing them to kill one another on their owner's Hunan province grounds. The flashing light caused the panic-stricken flock to crowd into a corner of the coop where they trampled over each other in an effort to escape. The first time Gu trespassed, 500 of the chickens died, and he was later caught by police. He was ordered to pay his neighbor, identified as only Hong, 3,000 yen or $436, which only infuriated The crazy man, Goo, he returned and carried out the scheme a second time. A total of 1,100 chickens were killed in the two massacres. He was retaliating, Goo was, uh, amid an ongoing feud with the chicken owner that began in April a year ago, 2022, when Goo chopped down Hong's trees without permission. She's. Gu intentionally caused property damage to Hong, resulting in the loss of 2015 bucks. They sentenced him, Gu, to one year in the clink. No, I'm sorry. Six months in the clink and one year probation. I got to tell you, I read this and I'm like, all right, there's crazy people in the world. But how do you know to use a flashlight on the chickens? Is that a common thing. Do you know, and I don't, does everybody understand? And I'm again behind the times. Does everybody know that, Hey, look, if you shine a flashlight on chickens, it makes them cower in the corner. I did not know this. I don't think you knew this. And if you do know this, why do you know this other than you have a chicken farm? Of course, Lee wants to get chickens because the price of eggs is out of control, or at least it was, I don't know if it still is, But the truth of the matter is, we live in a place where you can't really get chickens. But does everybody know this? Does everybody understand that a flashlight to chickens makes them go into a space? I did not. I'm sorry. I did not. Uh, Dan, on a farm, instead of axing heads off, we used M80s. Poof. No more, uh, much more humane. No brain impact. You guys are nuts. What is wrong with you guys? Hunan chicken is now on sale. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Who's the woke Dopes today? The world is weird. The world is completely and totally insane. One of the greatest mysteries of COVID, where did the flu go? I said that at the time. Hey, I said that at the time. Everybody was dying. There was 35,000 deaths from the flu. We didn't have the flu. Nobody got the flu in 2020, 2021. Where the hell did the flu go? Look at this chart. There's no flu. Nobody got the flu. Everything was COVID. I remember being sick as a dog in 2021, and I didn't have COVID. I tested. I was in Florida. I actually fell asleep during my radio show, and I'm like, this got to be COVID. I took a test, and it wasn't COVID. This year, same thing. After the first of the year, I was feeling terrible. I took a test. I did have COVID. I got COVID for the second time. ESPN, and in their infinite wisdom, sent me to South Dakota when COVID first started. And I got to tell you, I didn't do anything, but I got COVID. Next thing you know, I didn't feel bad. In fact, I would argue it was less than the flu. This last COVID, it made me exhausted. It made me tired. It gave me, I don't know, four or five, maybe two weeks, actually, days of just misery. But where did the flu go? You know, it was kind of funny. It was about a year ago. Lee and I were watching TV. It was about 10, 11 o'clock at night. And all of a sudden during, I forget what we were watching, but a commercial for the flu came on. And I looked at Lee and I said, well, yeah, where the hell did the flu go? So you're telling me nobody had the flu? That seems suspicious to me. I'm not sure what seems or how it seems suspicious or what I am trying to say here in terms of suspicion, but it seems suspicious. It seems like what happened, correct me if I'm wrong, hospitals got extra money for saying cases were COVID. It would appear to me that somebody came in with post-nasal drip, maybe a little sore throat, and immediately it was COVID because we all know money talks BS walks. There are two for-sures in the world. That is one of them. The other one is women and women parts are undefeated when it comes to making men crazy. Undefeated. World change. The Mike Tyson, the George Foreman, the Muhammad Ali is the women and their parts. Two men. Two crazy, crazy men. All right, what else we got? No, no none? Zero flu? That's insane to me. Ooh man. I read this the other day. Anheuser-Busch lost as much as $3 billion. 50% of their distribution, oh, no, I'm sorry, 30% of their business was lost in terms of distribution. Their draft beer sales were down 50%. So 30% on distribution, 50% on draft beer sales. Now, will this stay? I don't know, but I hope so. I do. I'm doing my part. I'm not drinking Budweiser products and I'm not wearing Nike. I never know what I have on but I know I'm not buying Nike and I have a Nike shirt over there. It's blue. I've worn it on this show. I'm not wearing it. This here is, I think under armor. That's true story. I'm not wearing, I'm not, I am, I'm on a boycott. I think, and it's not nothing to do. Don't even try me. Uh, it has absolutely nothing to do. Nothing, nothing, zero zip to do with being transphobic. Nothing. It has to do with supporting women, real women. You should put, if you are anheuser Bush, you should put Riley Gaines as your influencer, not Dylan Mulvaney, a guy parading around, masquerading as a woman. No, you should not do that. That should not be part of the mix. But we do. And I hope you, Nike, uh, Oil of Olay, a woman's makeup, Tampex. I hope you all suffer the consequences. You should suffer the consequences. You should be put out of business because women matter. Women in my world matter big time. And I don't want to hear about Christine Brennan saying, Well, I went to a conference. Christine Brennan is probably the most influential writer at USA Today. She has written nothing about the attack on Riley Gaines. Nancy Amore has an opinion on everything. Oh, my God, these are legends. She's also with Gannett. She's also been writing for 7,000 years. And guess what? Guess what? She hasn't said a word. Why? I'll tell you exactly why. Because these folks would rather be seen as non-transphobic then support women, but they'll go on a panel. So great to have Christine Brennan here to talk about Title IX. So awesome. No, it's not. No, it's not, she's a fraud. Always been a fraud, always will be a fraud. She's mad, Christine Brennan is. She's mad at, guess what? She's mad at, well, the Live Tour. Oh, okay, you're mad at the Live Tour? God bless you. Be mad at the Live Tour. All right. San Francisco State University, the school where Riley Gaines was attacked, has refused to comment to outkick. They refuse to stand up for women. If I were a student or I were a parent of a student at San Francisco State University, I would say this. Well, maybe my daughter or son can't get anywhere else, so maybe they got to stay there because it's not like, (laughs) look at this. It's not like San Francisco is a bastion of education. Riley Gaines, all guts, no nuts. That's right. That's where. It, that's what should be. If Coors put that out, I would go buy ten cases of Coors tomorrow. It would be my summer beer. It's unfortunate because Anheuser Busch does have a beer that I like. They do, but I ain't buying none of it. I ain't buying Nike. If I needed tampons, I ain't buying tampons. I'll buy tampons if Dylan Mulvaney can demonstrate that that he has periods and needs a tampon. Then I'll say, hey, all right, that's a woman being a woman. I'll get down with that, but that's impossible. We all know that's impossible. We all know that's not happening because, well, Dylan Mulvaney is a dude. And it's disgusting. You know, it is amazing, though. It is amazing how many people don't know this stuff is going on. I was talking to a friend of mine, Ken Sterling. We do a little show uh, once or twice a week on YouTube. Uh, It's kind of a local-oriented sports show called Two Big Brains. Check it out if you're a fan of Indiana or Indianapolis. And I was mentioning this on the show, and he had no idea. It's amazing now that we are in this job. It's amazing to me how much more informed you get when it's your job when it's your business, it really is. It's kind of fascinating that when it's your job, you pay attention. When it's not your job, you go along with whatever. So one of the most fun things about this job is that I got to pay attention to more things. It's fun. Thanks to Clay Travis for hiring me. Gary and Aaron, man, our leadership, you guys are fantastic. Dylan and Ryan, You know, I always say if I get a contract, I hope everybody gets a contract because this is a big time team effort. All the people that have been nice enough today, we had Riley Gaines on. That's unbelievable. She's the biggest story really in the United States, or at least should be. Uh, Ennis Cantor, congratulations to him on getting, finally getting somebody to say, look, this dude is standing up. He's standing up big time. And lastly... Thank you to all you guys on the YouTube chat, all you guys that are out there. Every day you come to the YouTube, you support the living crap out of us every single day. By the way, our golf outing is July 10th. It's the 12th annual Tom Dockett's Memorial Golf Outing. All of the the proceeds are going to our bikes program. I am meeting in about two hours with our new title sponsor and I'm very excited. We have a presenting sponsor, a title sponsor, and we're gonna have a lot of fun. DanDockage.com will probably be up and running at some point, and that's where we're gonna sign people up. Basically, we need 32 groups of four foursomes, and we're gonna have a good time, and every dollar is going to go, ladies and gentlemen, to our bikes program to get kids bikes. Boom! Drink local, shop local, be local. Screw Nike, screw Anheuser-Busch, screw Tampax, screw the rest that are using fake women to advertise. Stay strong, have a great afternoon everybody.